So I want to welcome you again to worship tonight here at Calvary, whether you're worshiping live here in the room or whether you're watching this on video. Now, isn't it kind of hard to believe that we are already at fall kickoff? I mean, it kind of seems like summer just started. You know, I remember back to June and, and school got out and we were thinking about dreams and plans that we had for the summer. Maybe you had some of those, you know, maybe a vacation destination. Maybe it was just getting to the lake a few times. Maybe it was having some barbecues with friends. And so you're thinking about all these great things you're gonna do during the summer and then you blink a couple times and suddenly we're back at fall kickoff. It's crazy how that happens. And you know, really, it's this time of the year when we transition back into school and everything starts to get real again, that it definitely is getting back to reality. Now, our kids were starting school this week and, you know, all summer long, they're, you know, just kind of leisurely relaxing and they're sleeping in. And so we started to talk to them, you know, it's school's coming up, you know, maybe you should start training for that. Like don't sleep until lunch, maybe get up a half hour before lunch and then kind of work your way backwards. And, you know, and so we thought maybe that would help, but then Tuesday came and maybe you can relate to this with your kids. Suddenly it was a rude awakening and it was back to reality again. Well, I think it's also easy sometimes in our spiritual life to take a vacation. Can you relate at all? You know, sometimes it might be during the summer. There's lots of other places to go and things to do and people to see. But it can even be other times of the year where suddenly our faith maybe becomes less of a priority. Maybe we kind of put it on the back burner and we focus on other things. And I just want you to know there is no judgment at all. You know, if that's your story right now, if you've kind of checked out for a while, we're just glad you're here. There's no shame or guilt at all. But what we want to do in this coming series this fall is to talk about some ways that God wants to get us back on our game, how he wants to help us make faith a priority again how he wants us to experience his dreams and his plans for us. And so we're gonna talk about some different ways where we can reprioritize our faith and we can begin to grow in our relationship with him again. Now, one of our core values here at Calvary is that following Jesus is a growing experience. All right, following Jesus is a growing experience. You can't outgrow the Christian faith. There's not some point where you get to take a little test, you know, like a spiritual ACT, and suddenly you're done. You can't retire from the faith. No, every single one of us is called to keep growing in our relationship with Jesus. But the thing is, church, growth doesn't happen by accident. And it almost never happens when we sit back and coast. Growing happens through intentionality. It happens through doing things on purpose and digging into what God would have us do. Well, there was a guy in the Bible named Paul. Many of you are familiar with him. Paul was one of the rock stars of the New Testament. You know, if there was a, a Mount Rushmore of New Testament figures, Paul would be one of the first that was chosen. He wrote a majority of our New Testament. But Paul, this rock star Christian, this rock star follower of Jesus, considered himself all the way through his life as to be a follower in progress. 
He didn't think that he was done. He didn't think that he was better than everyone else. No, he saw his life as a work in progress as he grew in his relationship with Jesus. There's a passage in the book of Philippians where he talks about this. He starts out in verse 12 and he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. All right? He doesn't have it all together. He's not done. He says, I, I haven't already reached perfection. But if we jump to verse 14, he says, I press on. Or in other translation says, I strain to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul saw himself as a follower in progress. But then he goes on to say, every one of us who is reading his words, every one of us who sets out to follow Jesus should think the same thing about ourselves, that we too are followers in progress. And so what we believe here at Calvary is that every person can take another step of faith. Every person who is here today can take another step of faith. Now this is whether you have been a believer for 80 years or whether you've been a believer for 80 minutes or even if you're not even sure what you believe, there's still another step of faith that you can take today. And what we like to say at Calvary is that we don't just want you in a seat. I mean, we're super glad you're here. But this isn't all that we hope and dream for you. We don't just want you in a seat. We want you on a path, on a spiritual journey as you grow in your faith and as we grow together as the body of Christ. And we believe that there are three core practices. There are three core priorities that can help us grow best in our faith. Now, this isn't everything that we should be doing. It's not everything that God calls us to do, but it's three core practices that can really pay off as we seek to follow Jesus. And those three things are worship, community, and serving. If you're trying to figure out what's my next step, what should I be doing, you know, I feel called to dig in a little more, those are three areas we would encourage you to get involved in, worship, community, and serving. And so we're going to talk about each of those three things over the coming weeks, and today we're going to focus on worship. You see, we were created by God to worship him. He's wired us up to connect with him through worship, to love spending time in his presence, to connect with him each and every day. Now, we believe worship is supposed to be vertical, you know, between us and God, but not just that, it's supposed to be horizontal with each other. Worship is both vertical and it's horizontal. Now, first, the one that we naturally think about is the vertical. You know, when we come into worship, we enter into God's presence and we praise him and we thank him and we respond to him because he's worthy to be praised. He's the God of the universe. Our natural reaction to who he is and what he's done should be to worship him. We should worship him for what he's done in Jesus, for the good news of the gospel, and he promises to be present with us wherever two or three are gathered. And he promises to speak into our lives 
And he promises to be active each and every day in what we do and what we say and what we think. And he works to strengthen our relationship as we seek to worship him. You see, worship is this privilege that we have where we get to connect with the God of the universe. I mean, doesn't that just kind of blow your mind? That God invites us, the God of the universe who created everything we can see and everything we can't see. He invites us to come and to spend time in his presence, to spend time in worship with him. But you know what? Worship doesn't end after just an hour on Thursday night or Sunday morning because we're sent out to live lives of worship. We're sent out to love other people in his name and to love God above all else. Worship is about the vertical. But not just that, worship is also about the horizontal because worship is also about connecting with each other. In worship, we join together as the family of God to encourage one another, to motivate one another, to pray for each other, to be there for each other. When we worship together, we experience a a spiritual unity and community in Christ. Now, the thing is, we might not all look at things the same way. You know, there's some people who cheer for the Vikings and then others who are just very misled in their lives. There are many different differences and backgrounds and stories that we all, sh- we all have, but we worship the same God. We can still experience unity. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, what this tells us is that we need to be a part of a worshiping community. And not just occasionally, not just when we feel like it. We need to be a part of a worshiping community weekly. So give yourself a gold star. You have a great track record starting tonight. But what the writer of Hebrews says is don't give it up. Don't neglect it. And come here because it's a part of encouraging each other. You see, the way I like to think about weekly worship is it's kind of like a family reunion. You know, we all go out to our own homes and our own places of work and we do our own thing during the week, but we come back together to worship as a family reunion. And the thing is, it's a family reunion without your crazy Uncle Joe, right? Well, unless your crazy Uncle Joe is a member of Calvary, but that's why we have five services now to choose from, so... You see, weekly worship isn't just for you. It's also about other people. Other people need you to be present, just like you need them to be present. Well, the big idea that I want you to take away tonight, the thing that I hope that you remember into the future, is that because worship is about the vertical and the horizontal, worship can help keep us in alignment. Worship helps keep your life in alignment. Have you ever had a day where you've just felt out of alignment? 
You know, it could be your relationships, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your kids or your parents. Maybe it's something at work that's going on and you just feel out of alignment in your human relationships. Or how about with God? Have you had those times where you just, you feel disconnected and you feel distant from him? Your relationship maybe isn't what it used to be. There's just some of those times when we might feel out of alignment. Well, worship is one of the key ways that God can bring us back into alignment. God can bring healing into our life. He can remind us of his promises. He can convict us and show us our next step of action. Worship is one of the key ways that God can put us back into alignment. Well, in order to stay aligned, I think there are some important things that we all need to remember when it comes to worship. And if you're following along in your outline, it's in your bulletin, you can fill in the blanks if you desire of these six key things. Number one, most importantly, we need to remember that worship is about God. Worship is about God. The writer of Hebrews says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You know, if worship is about me or worship is about you, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't approach it with much confidence, right? Because I know myself and I think I know things about you too. But when we approach God's presence, God's throne, when we make worship about him, we can have the ultimate confidence, Because he's a God who keeps his promises. He's a God who's full of grace and mercy. And so in worship, we focus on him. It's all about him. It's not about us. And we can boldly approach his throne when we remember who he is. He's good. And he's faithful. And he's graceful. And he's worthy of all of our praise. Worship is about God. Number two, worship teaches you to surrender your life. It's a hard, hard lesson to learn. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, I think each of us needs to move beyond approaching worship as a consumer and a critic and instead become a contributor. Now, you've heard me talk about this. If you were here last week, you heard my buddy Sam talk about this, but it's such a hard lesson to learn because I think too often we come into a worship service with kind of a mental scorecard. You know, we think, man, that worship set was unbelievable. I give it a 10. That message was kind of so-so. I'll give it a four and a half. You know, there were way too many lights or maybe you're thinking there's not enough lights or, you know, that screen is way too big or That screen's too small, maybe a few people are thinking. But you see, instead of consuming and critiquing, we need to remember that worship is an offering. Worship is a sacrifice. And it's something that we are blessed to be able to do. Instead of consuming, instead of critiquing, 
What if instead we would take Paul's words and put them into practice, that our bodies, our entire lives, are living sacrifices, and that is our true worship. It's not about what everybody else is doing. It's not about the environment. It's about our connection with God. It's about the condition of our hearts, being open to God's communication and being open to his will and his leading in all that we do. Worship teaches us to surrender our lives. Number three, worship brings unity. When we come together in worship, we, we're together in the name of Jesus. I mean, we might have nothing else in common at all except the focus of our worship. And that's the beauty of God's family. You know, worship can even break down barriers between people. I've had the privilege of worshiping on many different continents, in Africa, in Asia, in South America. And the thing is, I don't even speak English that well. I don't know any other language. But I've sat through three plus hour services in a hut in Africa. And I sat within wall, uh, the walls of the church were made out of tarps in Honduras. I couldn't understand a word anybody was saying in these places. But there was a unity that we had because we were worshiping together the God of the universe. David says in the book of Psalms, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I mean, I think we would all agree that we live in an incredibly divided and contentious culture. And I think people today crave unity. And it's in worship, like you're doing tonight or today. It's in worship that we can get a taste of the unity that God desires for us. Worship brings unity. Number four, worship changes the atmosphere of your life. I mean, have you ever walked into this room or maybe another worship space and just felt the tangible presence of God? I mean, there's something powerful, there's something transcendent about the atmosphere of a room where people are worshiping together in song and in praise. But the same thing that can happen in a room can happen in your life. You see, if we carry a worshiping heart wherever we go, it will always guide us back into God's presence. It will make us aware of his presence with us in the moment, no matter what we're doing. Again and again, scripture tells us stories of people who struggle, people who are having incredible difficulties and tribulations, and how even amidst their circumstances and their situations, they reach out to God in praise and thanksgiving. That their reaction to the difficulties of this world is to actually worship God that much more passionately. There's a prophet in the Old Testament named Habakkuk, which if you're ever looking for a name for a kid, I mean, I think it would be perfect, Habakkuk. There's not enough of those around. But in Habakkuk, he says, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, 
All right, that might not be your list of things that you're dealing with today, but you get the idea. Even if everything around you is crumbling, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I mean, think about what a difference it would make when we're facing those troubles and those difficulties, when we're having one of those days that we just you know, don't wanna even think about. What if we said what Habakkuk said? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm gonna still worship him. I'm gonna still praise him for who he is and what he's done. Because you see, when we do that, when we bring worship into our life, it changes the atmosphere. And it reminds us of his incredible promises. Worship changes the atmosphere of your life. Number five, Worship builds faith. This is something that Paul talks about in the book of Romans. He says, faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news that is about Christ Jesus. See, we need to come to worship to hear the gospel. We need to hear those words proclaimed, to hear how he died for you and for me. He paid the penalty for your sins and mine. And after three days, he rose again and he promises that one day when we die, we'll go to live with him forever. You know, we go through so much during the week, so many things that can become a distraction, so many things that can bring doubts. But we need to hear that good news again and again. Martin Luther said, every day I need to preach the gospel to myself. Worship builds faith. Well, then sixth and finally, worship is a preview of what heaven will be like. Worship is a preview of what heaven will be like. We can start training for eternity right now. Many of you know the last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation, and it gives a lot of different glimpses of the end of time. And in Revelation chapter 5, we get a, a glimpse of what heaven will be like. And first, there's this image of 10,000 angels surrounding God, singing praises to him. They're, they're singing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. We've sang those words together if you've come here. There's great hymns written on those words. But that's not it. Because the writer of Revelation goes on to say, then every creature comes and surrounds God and they too sing praises and they worship him. See, church, we need to get ready because we're gonna be doing this for eternity. And before you think, well, that kind of sounds boring or I'm not sure about that, it's gonna be the greatest moment that we can ever experience because we're promised there's no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears and no more distractions. Worship is a preview of what heaven will be like. You see, worship is at the core of who we are as a church and it's really at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. And that's why we're so excited 
for this new vision for worship that we're kicking off this week. You see, it's not just about shuffling the people who are already here. It's not about us just kind of going to different places. No, it's about creating space for those who don't know Jesus to come and hear the good news. It's about creating space for us to go and invite others to come and see. This is about expanding God's kingdom. It's about living out our mission that Jesus has given us. So my encouragement for you, every person here, make sure that you make worship a priority in your life because you need it. You were wired up for it. But not only that, others around you need you. Remember, worship is a lifestyle. It doesn't just stop after an hour once a week. Worship is a lifestyle that will help you stay in alignment with God and with others. And then as you go from this place, remember, you're on a mission from God to connect others to Christ. So who are you going to invite to come and worship with you? Who are you going to invite to come and worship with you? To come and hear the good news? And to be a part of our family reunion. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the gift of worship. How you've wired us up to crave your presence. To crave spending time with you. Help us to put aside all our distractions. Help us to put aside all the other things that compete for our attention and instead to just focus on you. To remember your promises. To remember your word. To remember the good news of Jesus. And help us to take our worshiping hearts from this place into every situation. Help us to remember that worship is meant to be a lifestyle, not just something we do one hour a week. God, we're thankful that you, the God of the universe, loves to spend time with us, that you promise to be present with us, and that you're here right now. God, we're thankful. We're thankful for who you are and all that you've done. Help us to go from this place and to share your everlasting love with every person we meet. And so God, I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.